Today is the 1st of March in 2022. And this time now is the time for us to develop our meditation. <clears throat> so these meditation objects, um, kamatana objects, they're exalted objects, and they are the basis of our work, of what we're doing. And there are many different objects of meditation, many different meditation methods, 40 types. So Buddha Nusati is one, the recollection of the Buddha. Or there's Anapanasati, mindfulness over the breath. So there's mindfulness on the in-breath and on the out-breath. And we take that as the basis of our mindfulness. And we can also use the meditation word of Buddha in conjunction with that. But really, in summary, all of these objects, um, they're things that we need to apply effort to in order to bring the mindfulness to that object, to that one point, to that one theme, so that our peace of mind increases. And when the peace of mind increases, then what will we know? In the beginning, we may think about that, we may doubt, and we can doubt about all these objects. But when we just try to keep our mindfulness there with the breath, with this word of Buddha, then the mind will become still and peaceful. At that point, rapture arises. There's a sense of inner contentment and happiness of heart. Our body may feel like it grows very tall, maybe even like it breaks through the ceiling. Or it may feel like the body expands to fill the entire hall that we're sitting in. And so we get these kinds of feelings. But when we open up our eyes, then we notice that the body is just like it was before. It hasn't actually changed, it hasn't expanded. It's just a feeling that we have there within the mind. And as we carry on practicing, then these meditation words that we use, Buddha, for example, will disappear just of their own accord. And so we carry on maintaining mindfulness over the in-breath and the out-breath. And then it feels like the body becomes very light. And that's because the mind isn't attaching to the body anymore. Normally it feels like there's weight there to the body. But when the mind loses its grip on the body, and then it feels like it's weightless, or perhaps like there isn't any body there at all. Normally, if we aren't in a state of samadhi, then the mind um, has still feels sensations um, from the body. And so it feels like there's a body that's there. But when the mind is still and peaceful and empty, then it's like it doesn't have any body at all. And this shows that we've reached one level of samadhi. As vitaka, vichara, piti, sukha, this initial and sustained application of the mind, and uh, rapture and happiness that arises. And occasionally the mind may gather together, it may feel very compact and full of happiness. And the happiness, the joy that arises, it's not to do with external things. 
We all know about the normal kinds of happiness that we get, the joy that we get, that that we receive through our eyes, the forms that come in, the sounds that come in through our ears, these things that please us, or the odors that please us, the tactile sensations that please us. But these are just sensory experiences, these experiences that we like, these forms and sights and sounds and odors, tastes, tactile sensations that we find pleasing. But when we can get into a kind of samadhi, then there's also a happiness, a contentment, a joy that arises too. And we know that it's fuller, it's more complete, it's deeper than that which we get from external things. And so now we can compare between these two kinds of happiness. Before, there's one kind of happiness, but the happiness of samadhi is another kind, and perhaps a kind that we've never experienced before, but now it's arisen for us, and something that we can gain. So there's no need to doubt about this. All we have to do is just stop the thinking and the proliferation of the mind, and then the mind will just naturally have a happiness within it, that happiness of samadhi. So this samadhi is one kind of dhamma, one quality, and something that we uh, can use, can put to use, for contemplating to the nature of the body. So we investigate these bodies of ours in order to see their truth, in order to perceive how their anicca, dukkha, anatta, how they're inconstant and stressful and not self, that they don't belong to me, they're not mine, they're not permanent or stable, and they're a heap of pain and suffering. And this is something that we haven't known before. That previously our knowledge was that this body is a heap of pleasure, of happiness, it's something that's stable and sure, and it really does belong to me. And ever since we've been born, we've had that kind of feeling, and it stayed with us for a very long time now. It's buried very deeply within our hearts that this body is mine. And when we're able to order it about, then this feeling remains. We think to walk, and then the mind sends that order to the brain. The brain then orders the rest of the body, and the body then walks. And so we think different things, and the body then follows the orders of our hearts. And then we wonder, well, how could this thing possibly not be mine? I can order it about like this. We can tell it to walk, we can tell it to run, to sleep, lie down, to turn left, to turn right, and it follows all our orders. But as it grows older and older and starts to deteriorate, then things become more difficult. Walking can be arduous. Even lying down for long times can be very difficult. It's not so easy anymore being with this body. And just stepping can be very tough if our nervous system isn't working so well. 
we see in children their nervous system is working well. And so they're able to do these things. Perhaps they cross a creek and they're able to do that very quickly. But when the body gets older, then it becomes more and more difficult to do these things due to its deterioration. And so it's normal for it to go through this process of deterioration. And perhaps the brain uh, starts to degenerate. Maybe we get Alzheimer's. And then we just turn into like being like a three-year-old child all over again. So even though there is this deterioration, um, still the mind has this knowledge and considers this body to be me. And so then I'm the one who gets old, I get sick, and I die. And we take it to be that way. But the Buddha had us take the state of collectedness, of samadhi, and use that to contemplate the body in order to see its truth. And when we see into its truth, and what we'll see is that it is something that's impermanent and unstable. And then the mind will be able to separate out from the body and become free. And even though that may be a temporary experience, we're beginning to see clearly that really this body isn't me, it isn't mine. Or perhaps we contemplate the body in terms of its uh, five external parts of hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth and skin, these things which cover over these bodies of ours. And contemplate and think um, about them. Because normally we take these bodies to be something beautiful. But we should contemplate into their nature and see how these bodies steadily change. And we gain a clear understanding, slowly but surely, through that. We can peel off the skin, for example, and see the flesh underneath, and see how there's blood there, how it's all red. And whether it's males, females, monastics, laity, it's all the same. Really, there's no meaning to it. And so Lumpur Cha, he had us do this and peel off the skin of these bodies and, and see the red blood underneath and how they give off a, a smell. So these bodies, they're like a very thin bag that's filled with different kinds of organs and fluids. If we contemplate like this, then the peace within our hearts can grow and rapture can appear within them as well. So the Buddha said that those who contemplate the body, uh, they're drinking the ambrosia of the deathless and that they don't die. The heart becomes full and contented with happiness. And when we see the truth, and this is what it's like, there's a great amount of happiness there within the heart. And the heart becomes very beautiful. If we see bodies as being something beautiful, then the heart becomes sad and darkened. And so we need to contemplate to see them as being something unattractive. In the beginning, perhaps an image doesn't arise while we're contemplating a suba. 
So then we need to bring up perceptions and memory instead and just carry on contemplating these. We can see how when the body runs out of breath, then it undergoes change. The five kilograms of bacteria which ordinarily reside within the body, they start to work on the body. And they have their benefits as well, in that they digest the body, and so that eventually it uh, degrades and disappears. But that process gives off a stench as well. We can contemplate how when the fire element uh, leaves, the earth, the air element uh, leaves, and then the body isn't able to stay alive. But when these things are present, then this is what keeps the body going, keeps it alive. So we can contemplate the elements as well. And these elements are something that aren't attractive. So initially we bring up perceptions like this. And then as we do that, there's a feeling of inner ease and buoyancy. And the next, the mind gets into samadhi. And then we use that samadhi to contemplate again and we see with greater clarity. So this is Subha Kamatana, it's contemplating into the unattractive nature, and this is a samatha object, a calming object. But if we carry on contemplating and using that, and then maybe we see how the elements change, how the earth element degrades, and then we see into anatta, not self, and in the mind, it leaves this world, attains the state of uh, Gotarapu. So in that state, it's like there's one foot on this shore, on the shore of the world, and our other foot is on the shore of Nibbana. But we're not yet able to go over completely, because we don't yet see everything that we need to see. Our samadhi is yet not full. Uh, wisdom is yet incomplete, and so the mind must return. But we maintain our efforts in looking after this mind, in maintaining mindfulness. And when we've reached this point in the practice, then the mind just carries on all by itself. There's no more doubts in meditation practice. In the beginning, there may have been many doubts, but when you reach a certain point, all those doubts are relieved. The great teacher says, don't get involved in liking and disliking, as liking is karma sukali kanu yogo, and disliking is atta tamakali yogo. Um, these two wrong paths or extremes of uh, pleasure, finding pleasure through the senses and um, self-mortification. But when the mind is peaceful, the body and the mind become light, and then we see clearly. And so the Krubhajan, the great teacher, um, he also instructs us to not become deluded in the samadhi that we gain, even though there may be great peace and great lightness there, to not become attached to that, but rather take that state and use it to contemplate the body, this thing that we cling to. And we may internally argue back, because we think there's so much peace there within the mind. We feel like the body, it's just too coarse. 
And so the mind can be quite stubborn as well. But really, we don't know much at all. We don't yet have much of a clue about the practice. We don't yet see very deeply. We haven't yet extracted um, these defilements. And so we need to place our trust in the teacher first and come back to contemplating this body as something unattractive or a heap of elements or as being empty. And when we can do that, when we can see um, there, then we'll know for ourselves that right here, this is the place where we'll gain freedom from suffering. This is how it happens. It's pachatang, and something that the wise know for themselves. At this point, then, the energy and the sincerity of our efforts becomes full, and we don't need to coerce ourselves to practice anymore. We are always listening to the teachings of the awakened beings there within, inside ourselves. Before, perhaps, we needed to study a lot, to read a lot, to listen to many different things. But when our meditation comes together, there's no more doubts. And we just do walking meditation, sitting meditation. So there's no need to force ourselves to do any of these things. We just contemplate into the body and we can see that with clarity. And the mind becomes empty. So we need to practice in this way. And then when we do, when we reach this point, then we'll know that when we follow this path and when we practice like this, we will be freed from suffering. And so perhaps maybe we've gained a clear knowledge into the body before as being anicca, dukkha, anatta, that all material things are like this, that they're all just conventions. That everyone who is born needs to grow old needs to get sick and needs to die. And we gain the conviction that the only thing that has value, true value, is the Dhamma. And there can be joy that arises for three days and three nights. So when the mind is very peaceful, then this can happen. This joy, rapture, can come up in this way. And so then we contemplate the body as being just a body. And perhaps this is something that we've heard before. The body is merely the body, and we think, well, how is it merely that? Perhaps we've read that, and we don't see that it being just that way, it being merely like that. But when the peace of our mind gathers, then we gain a knowledge that all these things are just conventions, and they're just that way. The body is just a body. And before we saw these bodies as being people, as being beings, individuals, a me or a you. But when our mindfulness is settled in the body, in this foundation of mindfulness, then we see that it's just a body. It's not a being, not an individual, not me, not you. These things just don't exist there within it. Wisdom arises, we gain this kind of knowledge in this way. And so we see that these things aren't there, there really aren't any people. There's no me, there's no you. And how long this is able to stay with us depends on the energy that we have. Perhaps it can last for half a day. Or perhaps 
we can see really clearly into it and the joy that arises is three days and three nights. So the peace and the wisdom that can arise within our hearts can be quite incredible. And perhaps we thought that these things just aren't possible before. And so we contemplate once again and the mind becomes peaceful and cool, samadhi arises, peace becomes well established, and the body and mind can become very light, and this can last for months at a time. Perhaps we can gain these states through sitting, gain a degree of happiness, or maybe while we're walking in meditation. But when this happens, it happens all the time. And when you go to sleep, then the samadhi reduces just a little bit. But as soon as we awaken, then it goes back uh, to its former level. And there's great fun in a meditation practice at this point because we're beginning to defeat and win over, um, over the defilements. Initially, though, we need to forbear. We need to be patient and endure, not be hot-hearted. But if we just carry on without stopping, then we need to get there. We will get there. So contemplating the body is like drinking the ambrosia of the deathless. And as we carry on doing that, then we'll gain knowledge. This will arise. Sila, Samadhi and Panya gather together. The path comes together. We can destroy the defilements. We gain a clear understanding And then the samadhi grows and grows. Wisdom grows in strength. And the restraint and the composure that we have just happens automatically. It happens by itself. Because we know that whatever the mind attaches to, that will bring us suffering. And so we need to destroy those attachments. We need to get rid of them. And the way in which we contemplate the body becomes more and more subtle. You can see the body as being a bag of blood, a bag of maggots, or of urine. Maybe before we've read this in the texts, to contemplate the body as being a bag of organs, or it's like a bag that has an opening and an exit. We read that, but it's still something that we're not yet able to do. As we carry on practicing, however, then we gain these nimittas, these mental images, And we can see that there for ourselves and see how the body breaks, decays. And then we also perceive alongside that that there's no me, there's no them there within the body. The mind carries on developing and growing in this way. Because the things that that we take liking and pleasure in is this body of ours and the bodies of others as well. That's what we find delight in. But really, there's nothing there within this body. The body doesn't actually know anything. If we like it, we dislike it, it doesn't know anything. The body just follows the orders of the mind, and the mind in turn is following the orders of the defilements. When we can see clearly, then we see that it's just a body, just a mind. There's no self. 
even the, the defilements, there's no defilement, there's no self to the defilements. They're just one kind of dhamma, one kind of quality. The path that we're walking is not self as well. And the same too with the feelings, with the mind, with the dhamma. They're just feelings, mind and dhamma, and just that. And when we see into that clearly, then we'll be able to put these things down. We'll be able to abandon the sense of self. But this only happens through our effort. And we do need to put in a bit of effort, because it's not something that we get with ease. And if we don't put in our effort, then it's certain that we won't get these states. And just like how if we don't study, then we're not going to get knowledge. If we don't work, we won't get money. And if we don't meditate, then how are we possibly going to gain peace? So if we don't put effort into, um, oh, sorry, rather, we also can't uh, count our efforts by the amount of hours that we spend doing sitting, sitting and walking meditation. But rather what we need to pay attention to, to count, is the amount of peace that we experience. And whenever we have mindfulness, then right then we are meditating. So we should have confidence in this path of practice, in this way of taking the mind to contemplate the body, and how, by doing that, we're drinking the ambrosia of the deathless. Because no one wants to die. And when we contemplate the body, then we gain the deathless. We don't die. We're not born. And if we're not born, then how are we going to die again? And so here is Nibbāna. So we put our efforts into this, set our hearts on this. And if we do, then we need to get there, we will get there. And if we're walking about whatever we're doing, we keep this word Buddha with us. If any other thoughts come up, then we try to cut them off. And we can contemplate how life is not sure, but death is for sure. Death is the culmination of this life. And the amount of time that we have left in this life is constantly reducing. So we can consider that if we heard the news that in seven days there was going to be a nuclear war and that everyone would die, then what would we do? We would feel like we need to really hurry up and practice. We need to get on with it that we shouldn't be heedless in any way. So we should bring up that kind of feeling within us in order to bring up this sincerity and to really set our hearts on this practice. Uh, so may you grow in this. <laughs>